Welcome to Leonard Lopate at Large. I'm Leonard Lopate. Over the years, Lawrence and Alvin U. Bell of Accurate Building Inspectors of Brooklyn have inspired millions of hesitant do-it-yourselfers to take repairs into their own hands. Alvin served as the Household Hints and Safety Editor with Family Circle Magazine for over two decades. He was a regular on ABC TV's Good Morning America for five years and also on ABC's Talk Radio Network for five years. And he joins us, Alvin Ubell joins us now uh, to offer expert advice to you, our listeners. You can uh, talk to him by giving us a call at 212-209-2877. That's 212 212- Two oh nine twenty eight seventy seven, and uh, I understand that Larry couldn't make it today, Al. But I'm yeah, very see, pleased he, to welcome uh, you back to the show. An, he had an important errand that had to go, and and he asked me, "Is it okay if I could do it myself?" I said, "Listen, this, I think I have enough experience." <laughs> and he he looked at my resume and he said, "Oh yeah, you do have a lot of experience." Actually, <laughs> so we, here we, I am. We did shows together at my, at my son's years. request. <laughs> we did shows together, just the two of us, for many years before uh, before Larry even joined us. Yes. And one of the, and we often get seasonal in our conversations because well, different things uh, pop up at different times of the year that uh, that uh, you deal with. Uh, right now, we're are, are we thinking spring now or the end of winter or well, it's such a weird time. March is the opening door to spring. In other words, in a couple of, in a couple of to- days or something, we're going to have uh, uh, Eastern uh, Standard Time. Is going to come into clicking, yeah, just another and we're going to have longer days and and uh, and shorter nights, except to that effect. However, uh, spring uh, brings on some things that you have to do. Uh, all of that took place during the winter: the damage to your property, the damage to the streets, the damage to uh, even in politics. <laughs> it happens during the winter and the summer. The flowers spring, and they, we have and to fix it up. People open their windows and yes. all sorts of other things. Yes, happen. everything. And we turn off the heat. Yes, the well, heat turn down is, the heat anyway. Well, you turn off. You turn off the heat. You turn on the air conditioner. <laughs> <laughs> now you have less. You don't turn on the light switches as much, but that, that's also saving energy. <laughs> so uh, we uh, we invite our listeners to call in and talk about those things. There's also some stu- events in the news that may very well affect our conversation, the coronavirus, for example. Uh, again, the number is 212-209-2877, and we already have a call for you, Al. Already. Let's, Hi, let's B-A-I, hear what the call- you're on the air. Am I? Yes, you are. Oh, thank you. Um, thanks for taking my call. I, uh, two questions. One is about a cast iron sink that uh, leans, and I, I, this might be um, really complicated. Maybe you could just point me towards, you know, some websites or such. But I was, it's, you know, of course, those cast iron sinks are very heavy, and I mean, how someone would go about straightening it out, you know, because the floor was crooked and it's, you know, hundred-year-old building. And the oh, other is about tile in a bathroom. The way they used to do it, you have, if you remove the tile, you'll see that, uh, that it's the bullnose type thing. So without doing a lot of demolition, how can someone uh, replace tile, you know, because backing board and bondy, all that sort of stuff um, would bring, out, bring it out further. All right. Anyway, you you have a bunch of multiple uh, questions there, all into one question, and I don't blame you. Uh, what <clears throat> I would like to ask you a question: This cast iron sink that you yeah. talk about is that a porcelainized sink or is it a a raw iron sink, which I know about, which they oh. used to use as slop sinks or in restaurants and stuff like that, and they're sometimes they are cast iron sinks. Yeah. And, no, it's um it's porcelainized. It's a double sink. Oh it's, a, oh, it's a double sinker. This is like for a du- if it's a double sinker, that's like for 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 milk dicker and inflation dicker. No, so wait, exactly. So wait, so so you're so it's leaning somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the thing is with with the porcelainized sink. What yeah. porcelainization or, or is is really glazing on top of a cast iron or steel yes. sink or or whatever material that may be glazed onto, and mm-hmm. uh, so the only way to clean that up unless unless it's oh. worn through, is that you have to take some like pumice stone, yeah, a very it's fine, a, it's in pretty good shape. No, it leans though because the floor. 
Uh, well, you can't you just put something then, underneath you know, it to prop There were a lot of leaning um, sunken floors that, that lean from you know, one end of the room to the other. I'm, well, I'm a, that ha- I would have to take a look at that, uh, how it's being <clears> supported or, or yeah. whatever it is, to put brackets underneath it or something to that effect. Having, In right, other words, would I need a crane to, like, lift it? I mean... Yeah, but I, I would have to see the sink itself because it depends upon what the sink is mounted into, what is supporting yeah. it right now, what is actually causing the sink to be sunken or, or yeah. moving or something like that, and that you have to go ahead and, and try to correct it in yeah. an appropriate way without doing damage. Now, right. let's move on to the uh, other uh, thing about the tile. Well, mm-hmm. the tile, if it, if it is clean, most of the time, it, if you have paint splattered onto it from painting the apartment in some way, that paint could come off with a razor blade or a sure. pushing razor blade that, the, that all that paint could come off. In fact, I just did it for, for a friend of mine that she had the apartment painted and it looked terrible that the paint splattered on top of the, uh, on the top of the uh, uh, top rail. And mm-hmm. I just took a razor blade and cleaned it all off and it looks beautiful today. Uh, mm. That's what you can do with tile. But if it's caused crazing, which is where you have like an alligated effect of the great glazing section of the tile, that is that is more difficult because that's a, a failure of the glaze. And the only way you can replace that is you have to take a, take the glass, the glazing out or take the tile out. Or sometimes well, they, put the t- tail, they put tile, tile on top of tile. But that yeah, has to- I, I, that's the thing. So um, you have, I have tiles falling off the wall, tiles that have been poorly replaced. So there's unevenness and such. So if I were to take all the tiles off the wall and around the shower and all, then uh, you, what you find is that behind that you find those splotches of, of cement as well, opposed that, well, to a I, nice smooth. It, it depends upon board. whether. Whether that's on a stud wall or what kind of wall or yeah. a masonry wall, uh, there's a whole bunch of things that be, can be done. What I usually do is when I see a, a tile place that really needs to be done, I clean off all the tile and then I take what they call concrete board or, or uh, that I put onto the wall, cement mm-hmm. it in place, and then on top of that, I put the tile. Yeah. And that's, that's, no and that's usually a better that, way of doing it without tearing the building apart. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. Okay, okay. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. And a reminder that our number here is 212-209-2877. That's uh, 209-2877, a 212 number. Uh, my guest is, is Alvin Newbell, and we are talking about uh, all sorts of different approaches to home repair. There are so many different things. How, uh, I mean, we've never talked about tile before, and yet— <laughs> We've well, been doing shows for years and years. There's so many different things that, that come under the rubric well, of you, home repair. Well, it's, I don't call it home repair. Uh, uh, home repair is for those people who have a home or a house to take care of. Uh, a person that's in the construction industry, you have to know everything about a building, whether it be an outhouse or a skyscraper. And you have to know how it works, why it works, why, what, is the, what is the process that took it together, and why was it put in its place the way it is now. Now, I read that stairs are the second most, uh, the, the number two cause of accidents after auto accidents. Yeah, auto accidents really? that- is the top uh, thing that, that, is, that is injuring and, and killing people in the United States. So it's it, just people tripping on the stairs? Tri- well, on stairs, First of all, you have to realize what a stair is. A stair, whether you're climbing up the stair, going down the stair, it's like climbing a mountain. Uh, And all the steps that's sticking out are like outcroppings. And if you fall down, you're hitting each and every those outcroppings. Uh, I have cases uh, that I worked on where people lost limbs trying to save themselves because there was no handrail. Uh, There are so many things go wrong with a stair. When a stair is perfect, really perfect, geometrically, uh, slant-wise, height, everything is perfect, it's still a dangerous 
ascending and descending operation. But in some cases, uh, stairs are uneven. Uh, you see that in some homes where the stairs are all at, uh, you know, like every stair is the same distance from the, ne- the next one until you get to the bottom, and then suddenly uh, a couple of added inches are well, there. Well, that, well that, that's the strange thing about it. The technology of stair design and construction dates back 2,000 years to the Roman Empire. They know about that. They knew that uh, the, that people are falling down uh, because the steps are not consistent mm-hmm. from foot to head. And, and this is built into the laws and the codes throughout the United States, in fact, throughout the world. But still, people, a person who works on a stair has to understand not necessarily to build a set of stairs, but they have to understand and appreciate the psychomotor function of a person. When you're walking down a set of stairs and you get two, three steps are okay, you expect that all the steps mm. down that stair going climb, ascending or descending are going to be equal. All of a sudden you hit a step that's not equal to the other ones and you'll find yourself at the bottom of the mm. stair. And that's what causes many of the accidents. When a stair doesn't have a handrail, give, it, give somebody a chance to save themselves, to reach out and grasp something that will prevent them from falling down the stair. But people right now are afraid to touch handrails because of coronavirus. Well, you have a choice. You can go uh, coronavirus, which is not really rampant throughout the United States right now or throughout the world. It's, it's hitting a lot of people, unfortunately. There's no question about that. But which, which would you rather do? Have coronavirus for maybe two weeks and it'll go away or have a cracked skull because you weren't working on the handrail and you fell yourself down at the bottom of the stairs? Can't I just put some gloves on and hold the handrail You could use gloves. Uh, the thing is that you have to be... This, uh, the thing I write about all the time is watch your step and hold on. You, ha- you only have two feet. You're not like a, a cat or a dog that has four legs and could l- climb up the stairs. They don't need handrails. Now, you often testify in the courts as a, an expert witness. Is are m- most of the cases about things like stairs? Oh, stair, ca- that's actually my big bailiwick, is, is testifying about defective stairs. It is quite prevalent for uh, on cases where somebody, an amateur, goes ahead and tries to fix a, a set of stairs and makes them worse than they were before. And this is not unusual. You get uh, somebody, a superintendent in a building that wants to fix something, and he screws it up, making it worse. And this is, ha- goes on and on. That My guest on London Lopez at Large today is Alvin Ubell. Uh, the guru of how-to, and uh, we are taking your calls at 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. A lot of people rent out their basements. If they have a a house uh, in in the city, they rent out their basements, and sometimes it's legal and sometimes it's illegal. How do you know the difference? Well, uh, most people don't know the difference. First of all, uh, there, in the city of New York, there's a classification of a basement, what's a basement, and what's a cellar. Uh, this, a cellar is when the mean distance between the floor of the cellar to the ceiling, the mean distance, that means if it's, a, if it's an eight-foot ceiling, that at four feet is at or uh, below the curb level front. Hmm. That's how they decide. If it is ab- if that mean distance or the distance in the mid- midpoint is above the curb level front, it's a basement. Now, why is that a determinant? Well, that's the way they classify it as a definition of between uh, a cellar and a basement. But in order to have a livable room, a, a bedroom, say, you have to have a window. If you have a cellar, most likely it doesn't have a window. That's another factor of it. Sometimes with a basement, you may be able to get a window in, but the window has to be 10% of the room area ratio. So in order to have ventilation, in order to have light, also, if suppose there's a fire in the building, you have to have some way that the fireman could break into your room and drag you out before it burns, burns you up. So that's, uh, that's the obvious 
There's an obvious thing about why they don't like you to sleep in a, ba- a cellar mostly is because the cellar usually has all kinds of equipment. It has a boiler. It has a hot water system. It has electrical. It has all kinds of equipment which could reverse for some reason or other. And all of a sudden you have sulfur dioxide or smoke filling up a, a, a cellar area and you don't wake up in the morning as a result of that. That's what takes place. And, and every one of these laws are not to penalize people. The, the laws in the building code are there to pre- prevent people from killing themselves and killing others that they don't even know about. So you, when, when they give you a violation on what you're doing, they're really trying to save your life. That's exactly what the, what the violation is all about. And what kinds of things uh, would we be subject to if we did didn't wake up in the morning. Is carbon monoxide? Or it could be it- carbon monoxide. It could be uh, suffocation. It could be smoke. It could be a flood. Uh, I see in salmon buildings, and I see they have their children sleeping in a cellar area. Mm. What happens? All of a sudden, a pipe breaks. You don't know. It happens in the middle of the night. And, and the whole basement fills up with water, and your child rolls over. They're gone. They drowned in the basement. It's so dangerous to to sleep and live in a cellar area. That's the that and that. Those are documents over and over again. Okay, so let's say I'm looking for an apartment and I, somebody is renting out a garden apartment or a basement apartment. How would I know whether that was a legal one or not? That well, actually, that's pretty easy. What if you do is you go online, and the on under the uh, the, the Department of Taxation, they have classifications of, of of a building, and they tell you where the livable spaces are. They they'll say this is a cellar or this is a basement. This is a first floor. This is a second floor. This is a third floor. They'll tell you how many floors there are, and it also tell you. How many families could live in that building? And says this is a two-family house. All of a sudden, you have three mailboxes in a two-family house. There must be somebody else there. So those are the things that that the building department, when they investigate, once they see uh, two mailboxes, or you come up to a building that's a two-family house and you see four electric meters, hmm. <laughs> something is going on in that building that shouldn't be. Should we take some more calls? Oh, absolutely. Okay, our number here is 212-209-2877. And uh, welcome to WBAI. Speak to Al Ubell. Hi, you're on the air. Hi. Go ahead. Quick question. I have common sense about, like, where to put smoke detectors and fire detectors in a home. Of course, they should normally be as high as possible because of the nature of the dust and the smoke. My question is about carbon monoxide detectors, due to the nature of the weight of those molecules, should the CO detectors be as high as possible in the, in the room or as low as possible in the room? Well, actually, uh, there, is, there are things going on in a room, especially it's a, a room, as a vector that's taking place. What happens when the air uh, is warming up, the air that's warmed up by a radiator will travel to the ceiling and the cool air will drop down. So what happens is you, there's, an, there's almost like an homogenization of the air wherever gases may come into that space. In the, when, in the summertime, uh, the same thing, the air conditioning, the cold air drops to the floor. And there's also a, some sort of homogenization of the gases. The, the idea is where do you put the, uh, the smoke detectors or the fire detectors? They should not be in a kitchen area because you always have uh, smoke from what you're cooking. The alarm goes off all the time. Or you it have, drives your dog crazy or cat yeah, crazy. Yeah, and, and it doesn't exactly right. feel Where good Where they should be is, is in corridors, in the bedroom, that where you're sleeping at night. See, if you're up during the day, you're going to know that there's smoke coming out from someplace. The idea is the most dangerous time of of day for the people who occupy buildings is at night when you're out cold. So therefore, put those smoke detectors in the bedroom. Also, there are people that fall asleep on the living room couch. So maybe you should put a smoke detector in the living room area someplace. And 
uh, how many? So that means you can have a lot of smoke detectors. In Sometimes that you have two and three in a in a large apartment, but usually the the bedroom. If you have a one or two bedroom, if you have a, a, a in in my apartment where I have two bedrooms, it's right in the in the corridor area between the two bedrooms. And therefore, most of us, time that my bedroom doors are open, so, and besides, I'm the only one living in the apartment, so, <laughs> but if you have a guest or something like that, you want to make sure that everybody's protected. What are some of the other things that we can do to protect our guests? Well, there's a lot of things. Right now, it's coming spring, and one of the things that comes across on my desk all the time is children falling out of windows. Ooh. That's a horrible thing because what happened is comes the spring, you want the fresh air coming in, you open up the windows, and, and children are curious creatures. But you, uh, wait, wait, aren't there laws in the city that say you have to have window guards? Yes, you do, but there are occasions when uh, you may have a guest coming over that they're bringing their children. The law says that you have to sign an affidavit or, or a, a document to tell the landowner— who is uh, your the who owns the property that you do have children or you don't have children and but but you also have to understand that do you expect to have children in your apartment if you expect to have children in your apartment like cousins and aunts and uncles and and they bring their children with you to greet you you really should have those window guards put in place because it doesn't cost you anything they don't charge you extra on the rent as and have the window guards in place. And we have things like, not just in homes, uh, there was that uh, case where a man, a grandfather has just pled guilty uh, for having his grandchild uh, near an open window on a, on a cruise ship. Well, that- And the kid fell out and uh, <laughs> it well, made all the news. Yes, well, the, the thing is, Children are curious creatures. You have to, they're trying to learn everything. They're trying to see what's going on outside when something attracts them. You, uh, and you have to watch your children and you ha also be aware of the dangers. There's some people that are just oblivious to what's going on about them. And that's, that is unfortunate. But the idea is there are dangers all over, and you have to be aware of it. What rooms do you think are the most dangerous in a house? The, uh, would it be the, the kitchen or the bathroom? It depends upon the individual. I, can't, I, didn't, know, do, I didn't participate in any statistics on that. But even the, ba bathrooms the bathroom is a dangerous place. You have water. If the water temperature in a bathroom is over 140, 150 degrees, you're gonna, you can get a third degree burn in about, uh, about two or three minutes. Uh, two or three seconds, rather. Four seconds. Uh, it, you mean taking a shower. Yeah, your, your body temperature, your body temperature is 98.6 Fahrenheit. Uh, and it, I, I would, if you took a thermometer into the water, into the shower or bathtub, and you have you had your water up to 110 degrees, you're jumping out of that shower. Mm -hmm. It's hot. That 110, 11 degrees, 11 degree difference between your body temperature and the actual temperature is hot, really hot. So should, should the shower, the, the 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 heat of the water in the shower be lower than your your body temperature? No, or around it, the it same? should be about uh, 100, uh, maybe. Uh, 105 degrees. That's nice. A little warmer. A little uh, warm. You know, you got to be very careful when you adjust the knobs. Here's the, the the biggest accident. The biggest accident is when people turn the faucet off while they're taking a shower. They accidentally turn the cold water off mm. right away, and they go they go into they can't touch, and they slip and fall in the shower, and the hot water is spilling onto them. That's when you cut off the cold water. I tell everybody, if you're shutting the water off, turn the hot water off first, slowly, until all of a sudden it gets a little chilly, and then start turning the cold water off. And that could prevent a lot of accidents. Uh, unfortunately, uh, um, I, I lost uh, a, uh, a, 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 my mother-in-law or my, mother, my stepmother-in-law died in a shower of scalding hot water. Ooh. Another thing that uh, you see in some showers, but not all, are uh, little hand guards. Well, uh, I— Should we uh, all, everybody uh, Every have bathtub should have 
a handrail to hold on to it because a soapy water. Let's understand. Soapy water is slippery. <laughs> you're standing up on it. You're a two-legged animal, and if you slip, you got to grasp, grasp something. And I, uh, in my own bathroom, I have a bar the full length of the bathtub from mm. one end to the other. When I used to live in another apartment and I had a shower, I had a bar on all four sides in order to grasp it. And though it, it, even it's, it's really two convenient things. It could save your life and is also a good place to hang your washcloth. <laughs> <laughs> Again, a reminder, our number here is uh, 212-209-288. Seven seven. That's two one two two zero nine twenty eight seventy seven. Sometimes you have no control over it. You've set the right temperature, and then the the water heat, the water temperature changes that's, without you doing anything. Is that because people are running water in other parts of well? Of the what house? happens is it depends. It depends upon how the building was built and what kind of what kind of building it was. The thing, the thing is, it, it, it's different in every kind of a building. But in the old buildings, what happens is somebody flushes the toilet. And all of a sudden, that takes cold water away from your hot water. And all of a sudden, the hot water comes through. That is a thing that happens time and time again. And I have several cases that I work on on just those kinds of conditions. And it, for a landlord not to have known this was going on is 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 ridiculous i mean he <clears throat> he knows what's going on in the building the the superintendent knows what's going on in the building they know that there are things going on so they have to put water pressure adjusters there are devices but if you own the building what? If you, if, let's say you you own the house if you own the house and you find this problem you should call a plumber to correct it in such a way that when your wife or your husband flushes the toilet, you don't get scalded. Should we take another call? B.A.I., you're on the air. Hello. Hi. 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 Um, okay, so I have a, a kind of a silly question, but it, it no does, there's are silly. no question oh. that's silly. Every question is important. Uh, right. For not all, it's not only important for me, it's important to our listening audience. Okay, great. All right, so we have this um, little shower, and I love taking a bath. So, um, uh, of course, we asked the landlord if they could put a tub in there and take out the sink and blah, blah, blah. Of course, they said no. And uh, and then so I found something online. It's this Japanese uh, bath plastic tub thing that you put in your shower. You fill it up and you climb inside, and it's amazing. And I love it. Now, here's my question. So sometimes when I'm releasing the water um, into the shower after the tub, it drains into my neighbor downstairs and they complain that there's a drip but it doesn't happen all the time and now i'm scared what if i go flying through the freaking floor what if um there's a serious leak that i'm doing i don't know i was getting a little paranoid well sometimes in a drain system there is what they call a venting condition or a loop of the piping into the tub area sometimes. And if you put too much water into it, something like that, it overflows inside the cavity of the wall. Or there could mm-hmm. be in the, do you, uh, I'll, I ask you a question. Does, does that tub have a stopper? Oh, uh, no. Oh, this tub, the, the tub, the plastic tub, uh, it has a stopper, yes. Uh, is that stopper on the tub, or is it outside the tub on a piece of pipe that goes to the floor? It has both. Okay, so... Oh, all right. It has both. It has both. So, all right. Yeah. The one that has the thing that you pick up and put down on the outside of the tub, those pipes, if it's a, that's a real old... That was put in the 1920s, that, uh, that bathtub. That pipe may have a hole in it so that when you fill up the water over it, it overflows through that hole because it's it's corroded through and through. So that may have to be replaced. But Alice, she just installed this into her shower. Yes, you have to— This is a new one. Yeah, that, that's, that condition takes a little bit of investigation in order to figure out mm. where that overflow connection is taking place mm. in order to prevent that from happening. 
Okay. All right. But anyway, it sounds like something you're going to have to deal with because uh, it could be dangerous. No, not dangerous. It's annoying to the tenant below. (laughs) Yeah, well. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for your call. And you are listening to Leonard Lopate at Large on WBAI, listener-sponsored radio in 99.5 FM in New York. With Alvin Ubell, we're talking about uh, all of the, the a wide range of things that uh, do-it-yourselfers can do, uh, uh, and uh, we are taking your calls at 212-209-2877. That's 212-209-2877. And uh, let's take another call, okay? BAI, you're on the air. Oh, hello. Hi. I have an indelicate question, but I'll try to phrase it very delicately. Um, and I hate, to, I hate to admit that I actually agree with Donald Trump on something. But he pointed out once in wait, a while. Wait, 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 wait. Excuse is, me. Right? Excuse me. You have to stop for a second. You've called WBAI and admitted that you agree with Donald Trump about something? Yes, yes. <laughs> I will elaborate. Well, this may be a first. Only. One thing only. No, there are people on the station who actually like him and vote for him, which I would never do. But he did point out one interesting problem that we all have, I think, which is that when you flush the toilet, these low-flow toilets, um, it's fine for liquid. I'm going to be delicate. It's fine for liquid waste, but solid waste, you flush and flush, and it won't go down. Now... What do we do about that? Given that I'm in an apartment and I don't know with the, um, you know, so I have no control over it. I can't install a new, you know, high flow toilet if, if such exists, if it's legal. But is there something like, is there a chemical or something that won't hurt the toilet that I can pour in that will dissolve the solid waste so it'll be flushable? Otherwise, I no, flush no, it 20 no. times. Or uh, all right, let me, add, up with let me ask you something. Can I ask you a question? Uh, you have a, a tank. On your bath? Uh, no. It's no, a, no tank. It's a flush, no tank. It's a flush valve? What? Just a valve that you turn and the, and, and the water comes out? Well, I never deal with that at all. I just no. flush it. I yeah, but fl- the, the device that you press to yeah. flush it, is it on a tank behind the, the actual? No, no. It's it just, no not tank. one of those tanks just that just fills pipe. up with water? No, she has a flushometer or a flush valve. Now yeah. that flush valve can be adjusted. The idea okay. is, yeah, on uh, the the super or the uh, whoever takes care of the building. How many people live in your building? Uh, we have twenty four apartments. Oh, then you have a superintendent that's there. He can adjust the flush valve uh, by there's a little cap on the top that has uh, uh, that has to come off, and inside there's a screw that you put a screwdriver down, and you open it up a little bit more so that the flush runs more water into the ta- into the bowl oh. and flushes the water out. That's an adjustable device. Okay. Oh, so. now you say the flush valve. That's inside. I know there's some sort of valve that you turn. I think, and you know, a round kind of thing. That, that's the thing to that shut off. The- that may be something to shut it off totally. But whatever you're pressing or right. uh, turning 
has a uh, a device oh, that opens up that opens up the diaphragm that's on the inside that permits oh. a lot more water to go through and in it order gives to it more pressure. Right. So the problem with these low flow toilets it, it is not a matter of it goes down is too it small. Do, it doesn't it's, work on a matter of pressure. It works on a a matter of duration of more water coming into the bowl in order to sweep all of the debris down the, the down the uh, the uh, right. waistline. So she's just not getting enough water into. Yeah, she's in not way, getting enough I water. I could do it myself if I. I no, you better not touch it. No, 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 no. Because no, if you I take mean, that valve off no, no, accidentally, no, no, no. Gonna you're going to have water valve, all over the place. <laughs> no, I'm saying I could if I want to flush, I could take a big pot. And fill it with water and pour it in, and that would work because because to get my super yes. to fix something it'll yes, take forever. But, but I would get the super to adjust the yeah, but flush I think valve. that's a good idea. She can pour she some can, water. In. You could use a pail of water and dump right. it right into the yeah, toilet. But bowl. you don't want to do that every time you use it by <laughs> the toilet. No, it's annoying. That's a lot right. better than an outhouse. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call. Let's take another call. Bai, you're on the air. Hello. Yes. Hi. Oh, uh, hi. How you doing? Um, I have like a kind of like an embarrassing uh, question. Wait, we're getting these mine. embarrassing questions. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, like a friend of mine, when I go over to his house, right, it's always smelling like feces and stuff. And like he went, he um, has like, um, you know, air freshener. Like it's crazy air freshener. All right. And I was wondering, is that like a public, uh, a plumbing issue? Or? Yeah, that's a plumbing issue. When you have odors coming into a, an apartment from the sanitary system, that means that there is an open, there's a crack, a crack or an open vent stack someplace in the, in the, in the wall section or near the bowl, which is letting letting the sewer gases come into the apartment or into the building. You have to realize uh, that, if you're listening, is that every building in the city of New York in particular has what they call a fresh air intake and a vent stack. The fresh air intake is near the street level, someplace in the front or someplace like that, and the other one is on the roof. And that creates what is known as a vector that ventilates the the whole sanitary system automatically all the time so that you have fresh air in the pipes and no sewer gas buildup. Once there's a crack in one of those pipes, the sewer gas sometimes comes into the apartment. Wow. Uh, I hope this that helps. House, but does that, yeah. That has to be investigated where that opening so who would or he crack call? is. Who did... That's usually a plumber that knows uh-huh. how to do that. Okay. Oh, okay. It's the it's, it's same because this is actually a, a house. And he lives in a basement. Oh, then there may be a crack in the basement, crack pipe that is letting the sewer gases come into the basement. That's another reason why someone should never live in a basement. (laughs) Right, right. Okay, thank you. You're welcome, you're welcome. And let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Hi. Are you there? Okay, well, Uh, we'll try another one. BAI, you're on the air. Hello? Yes. Yes, hi, good afternoon. Great. Hi, my name is Anaya A., and although I'm not 100% sure what the topic is this afternoon, I took a chance to call in because I've been trying to reach several of your hosts in regards to a discrimination situation that we're facing in New York City presently, and I know your station is on top of it. Yeah, but that's that's not – right now we are talking about uh, doing it yourself. uh, We have Alvin Ubell who comes by to uh, give people advice on how to take care of things in their homes, uh, repair things and the like. Uh, I think that you should probably just try to get in touch with the station manager. Uh, okay. and, and you, But that's not something I can handle for you on the air, okay? It's not really what we're talking about on this show. Yeah, Thank well, you so much for your call, and good luck. Yes, good luck. Okay, uh, let's take another call. BAI, you're on the air. Hello, is that me? Yes, it's you. Yes. I Hi. love your show, Leonard. You have a wonderful voice. I'm sure you do a lot of scholarship. You ask excellent questions. This is not just ad lib, right? You research your guests very well. I mean, they say, great question, great question. It's it's a pleasure to listen to you. Well, thank you so uh, much. What do you do for a living? Uh, well, 
to be honest with you, uh, I help people exercise and I go to their homes and uh, the topic, I wanted to stay on topic. There was a philosophical thing that I, I did want to just briefly mention after this, but, uh, uh, you know, the cleanliness of a home obviously is important. One quick uh, question. Obviously, you don't put a fire extinguisher near the stove, right? If there's a stove fire, that extinguisher is going to be too hot. I told my parents that, and, you know, they were old. They probably didn't understand. But you don't put a fire extinguisher, obviously, near the fire. You put it away so that you could obviously extinguish the fire. Well, well you want to put well, it close enough so well, that you can get it if there's yeah, well, a fire. You want it, well, you want it in usually someplace at the entryway to the kitchen area. Because sometimes, what most of the time happens when a fire starts in the kitchen, it's you're not in the kitchen. You're outside in and the dining dinette or dining and room it, area, and then all of a sudden right. you you smell something burning, and then you need the air con- you need the fire extinguisher at that the uh, opening of that kitchen area. The other thing is that the the problem with fire extinguishers are that most people don't know how to use them. Exactly. Uh, in other words, they sell you the fire extinguisher. <laughs> And you and the first thing that people do instead of reading the instructions is they throw the instructions away and they hang it on the wall and that thing thinks that they satisfy everything. You you really have to use or practice with the fire extinguisher what to do, how to pull out the pin, how to break the label on it, how to get it working instantaneously. If you I've asked many people, do you know how to use that? No. He says, I never use it. Because they never had a fire, so you gotta. You, I was a I was a damage controlman in the U.S. Navy. We practice using that equipment constantly, and that's why you learn how to, how to use fire extinguishers and how to put out a fire. Right now, wouldn't it be common sense for there be to be a law about if you sell a fire extinguisher, at least demonstrate it and make mm-hmm. sure the person knows how to use it? Oh, right? you're I mean, asking the manufacturers that, more yeah. than they want to touch. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they right. all they're obligated to do is give you the instructions, right. and that's they're all they're the, obligated. They to do. might actually okay. feel that there's a there would be a problem in case something went wrong. They could be sued because they. Uh, you could say, "You well, you didn't teach me correctly." Well, yes. Uh, uh, when I was on Good Morning America, I demonstrated on the air how to use a fire. We actually had a f- actual fire in the kitchen, setting it all up, and mm. I came in and I just put out the fire with the fire extinguisher, and that was all filmed and the audience seen. All that took place in two minutes and thirty seconds. <laughs> Well, you don't right. want the fire no. to last a lot no, longer. No, but that's it. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, one quick question. Um, my mom left the stove on with the with the teapot. The teapot was so old that it didn't whistle anymore. We were at <laughs> dinner. She said, oh, my God, I think I left the kettle on. The kettle was all burnt plastic. There was remnants of it all on the ceiling. Fortunately, it wasn't a serious fire. But the, the, the dark black plastic melted. Some of that is on the walls. Can that start getting to be like dust and then you're breathing in a very toxic type of uh, material? Mm-hmm. That that has to be cleaned properly, right? Well, the, the only way you can clean stuff that is carbonized like that is you have to wash the ceiling, then sandpaper it, spackle it, and repaint it. Ooh. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> a lot of work, but, <laughs> but the alternative is not so great. <laughs> yes. Right. And, and, and the last one, is, if, it, if, 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 if I can, a little philosophical, and it goes to home ownership. It is very sad. I, and listen, I mean, uh, this uh, idea of socialism is a terrible thing. But where is our humanity when we don't have, like Bernie Sanders said, we have hundreds of thousands of people who don't have the luxury of a nice home, who don't have this worry. It's a very sad uh, comment. We love our celebrities. We love the wealthy and powerful, and obviously that's how Trump became president. And he couldn't give a damn about homeless people. Nor do I think de Blasio and Cuomo did. Oh, the coronavirus? Oh, my God, people might die? Oh, it's a terrible thing. But people who are suffering, where is the humanity? Where, where is the front-page story that, that somebody's actually doing something really, you know? Because what happens if all these homeless people start developing a virus, and then that gets, wouldn't that be karmic? The homeless people actually all of a sudden created disease because of their unsanitary conditions. That spread to everybody. Yeah, well, uh, unfortunately, this is a topic for another show, and uh, we may very well wind up doing a show like that, but it's irrelevant to this conversation. <laughs> uh, Al, we didn't bring Al Ubell in to, uh, to uh, talk about politics, 
But thank you so much for your call, and let's try to take another call. Yes, Hi. and I want to say I'm I'm in agreement with you. Okay. Hi. Hello. Yes. Hi. I live in a, a top floor of a two-family private house, and um, the bathroom sink has a clog in it, and I I tried to get rid of the clog, but it I tried the liquids, I tried Drano, and I tried. I also have a snake. Uh, that I put down 25 feet. I put it in. I fed it all down in there, but uh, the clog won't go away. Now, there's a trap underneath the sink, and um, I, I, I fed the uh, snake through that through the trap. And I was one. And if I if I plug that trap back up again, and I turn the water on, it the sink fills up in like 10 seconds. So I figured that that the uh, clog was right behind. The, the wall, you know, like a, just like a foot down or something. But So how was I able to feed a 25-foot snake in there and not get rid of the clog? If the well, it, it, the snake is, is, is uh, maybe a, the, uh, the head of the snake, what you go in first, is about a half inch in diameter. And then the, the wire or the snaking wire is only maybe about a quarter inch in diameter. And those snakes sometimes work or they just bore themselves through a clogged area, but they don't loosen up what's in the clog. And clogs happen not necessarily because of the material that you're flushing down the drain. It, it, it could be a misdesigned piece of plumbing that he made a loop or a catch or a turn or an elbow somewhere where the debris is getting built up and it solid and it and it uh, solidifies into a certain lump there that the water can't pass through and all the flushing and plumbing and pounding with the with the uh, with the plunger and everything else is not going to work. Would Drano work? Something like that. Sometimes it does. If it's if it's a bio if it's a material that is like uh, something has uh, calcium in it or hair or or f- food products the, the Drano or the clobber or all these other things sometimes work but the idea is you have to let it sit for all this this is either sulfuric acid or or some kind of acidity acid that it's eating away and maybe loosening it up. The careful thing about it, sometimes some of those chemicals not only eat up the uh, the products you want to get rid of, but it also eats up the pipe. Uh, and that's so scary. That's yeah. a big problem, and you're causing a leakage. What I would suggest, if this is a consistent condition, if you in a small house, you may have to get the owner to hire a plumber and figure out what's going on because it is very complicated how— the waistlines of a building work. In fact, the waistlines are more complicated than the water flowing directly to you, the hot and cold water, because that's under pressure and there's no debris in that water. The water that goes out of the sink it has a lot of debris that actually sometimes solidifies into a lump that has to be taken care of in a different way. Well, like the, the, uh, the clog is like, if I fill the sink up with water, the clog, the, the water will go down real slow. Oh, yes, right. So what happened is the aperture of the water flow has been reduced by the clog. Thank you so much uh, for your call. We, we're going to try to sneak one more call in here. Hi. BAI, you're on the air. Hello. Hi. We lost them. <laughs> Did we lose you? Or are you just not coming to the phone? Okay. <laughs> well, I... Sh- Said so. Let's talk about that uh, a bit more. Uh, There's a lot of water. There's a lot of pressure when the water comes in, but but getting it out is all by gravity. Uh huh. That's all by gravity. That's bar. That's it's just working by gravity or barometric pressure, which is which just that's the way it flows. But there's it's more complicated than that because as the water flows, it also draws. It also draws. air with it at the same time and sometimes a bubble can get clogged the bubble a bubble of air can block the water flow does it matter whether it's going into the 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 city's pipe system or whether it's your own septic system it's it's your own system Uh, the, the the water flows 
through the pipe by gravity, and it goes through a couple of elbows, it drops down, goes around, and then it has to go out to the city by and goes through another trap that's in the basement. But when something is happening at a particular sink, it's usually something in the walls that, that is causing it, or, or sometimes a pipe is bent, or some, some guy, a so-called plumber, who was not a plumber, put something in and caused the problem. Now, we're pretty much out of time, but I just want to address one other thing. This is the time of year you suggest that people have their air conditioners checked because yeah, they're going to this be is a, using them in the, next, in the next month or so? Yeah, this is a great time of the year. You don't really need the air conditioning right now, and they're not that the air conditioning guys are not that busy yet, but do it now. Have your air conditioning cleaned out. Make sure the filters are changed or washed or repaired. And it doesn't matter whether you have a window-type air conditioning or a central air conditioning unit. This is the time of the year where you should have it checked out to make sure it's lubricated where it needs to be lubricated, needs to be cleaned where it needs to be cleaned, and, it, and it's workable. And who do you call for that? You have to call an air conditioning contractor, but uh-huh. sometimes there well, are certain every time, Everything you're suggesting is going to cost me a lot of money. It, well, that's, you know, if you, if you, want, to, you want to have a luxury of life, there's sometimes you can't depend upon yourself being knowledgeable to fix it, but you, you may have to be knowledgeable to hire the right mm-hmm. person. So that's so call the experts. Uh, call an expert. In this instance, air conditioning is complicated. It, they can see with their own eyes and their experiences what is going right, wrong, or indifferent with that air conditioning unit. Now, I mentioned earlier that you uh, serve as an expert witness in court cases. Uh, is Are the kinds of cases you see seasonal? Uh, no, that uh, as far as court cases, there's no season to that. Pe- there's no season for people getting hurt or injured. That goes on all year round. Uh, the only thing is that sometimes when the courts are closed, I'm a little slow. But most of the time, I'm very busy, and uh, we work for a lot of law firms, and we and uh, we work for some city agencies occasionally, and federal, and even some federal agencies. Uh huh. And thank you for working on WBAI with me. And the next time I'm here, I'll I'll try to show all the world and all of New York how to go forth and fix, save energy, money, and do it safely. (laughs) Oh, that James Taylor, you can't get rid of him. And that brings us to the end of today's show. If you're new to our program and you like what you've been hearing, you can access past shows streaming on demand at WBAI.org. We're also available as an iTunes podcast. Alvin, one other thing. If people want to get in touch with you, uh, how do they do that? They, they can go online at AccurateBuilding.com. 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 And also they could write to me at Alvin at AccurateBuilding.com. But okay, again, getting back to, to uh, this show, if you want to hear us, you can always uh, stream. We stream on demand at WBAI.org. We're available as an iTunes podcast. And don't forget to check out Leonard Lopez at Large on Facebook and Twitter and at our website, LeonardLopezAtLarge.com, where you can find links to all of our past shows. And we also invite your comments to all of those sites. We hope that you'll join us tomorrow when former Assistant Secretary of Education Diane Ravitch will come by to discuss her book, Slaying Goliath, The Passionate Resistance to Privatization and the Fight to Save America's Public Schools. It's an important issue politically right now, and uh, we hope that you will tune in tomorrow to, to hear Diane Ravitch talk about it.